Well, we're in the second week of a series called Forward, where we are focusing on where Calvary is headed in the next five years. And last week, we talked about the first commitment that we have as a church to live out this vision, and that is to have no hurdles to hope. You know, James talked about this in Acts 15, 19, where he says, let's not make it difficult for people, for anyone who is turning to God. Yet the thing is, as Christians, what we often do is make it way too difficult for people who want to get to know God, who want to ask questions, who want to connect with a church. And so we believe God is calling us to ruthlessly eliminate any obstacles, any barriers we can to people coming to hear the good news of Jesus. Now, while I heard great feedback from many people after this message and after thinking about this commitment, I also heard from a few people who said, you know, we've heard this same thing for 30 years or more at Calvary. So what's going to be different? And so what I want to tell you is what's going to be different is we are going to actually live this out. This is going to be a priority for us. This is going to be the lens by which we make decisions, by what we look at ministries and how we do worship and how we come together as a church. We're going to be laser focused on reaching people for Jesus and not just staying comfortable. Now, what that also means is that there's a role for every single one of us to play. You know, as much as we maybe don't want to admit it, every one of us has at least one thing where the tension starts, right? You know, we might say, I'm all on board with this. I want to reach people. I want to live out the mission, but don't take away my favorite song. Don't mess with my worship service. Don't sit in my seat. But you know what? God's mission is infinitely more important than our own preferences and opinions, And I don't know about you, but I don't want to tell God, you know, I didn't reach out with the good news because I wanted to stay comfortable. And so I think this is a great opportunity for us as a church to come together to have God's heart for people and to remove any obstacles that we can to people coming to faith. Well, George Gallup has often said, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. You know, in the midst of very busy lives, overcommitted schedules, long commutes, crowded cities, it's still really easy to feel disconnected and alone. Now, before the pandemic, we were constantly mobbed by people. Oftentimes, you know, whether it's at sporting events or going to the gym, going to stores, going to restaurants, You know, there's not really a problem with access to people. You know, we're just one short flight away from 85% of the population of our country. But the thing is, we actually know very few people well. And in the same way, very few people actually know us well. And many people are essentially doing life alone today. Well, now we're in a different reality as we're amidst this pandemic, and we're experiencing the opposite of normal. Maybe for many of us, we feel really far away from most people. We can hardly remember the last time that we've felt closely connected to a bunch of people. But you know what? The feeling can still be the same. We still might feel those feelings of 
disconnection, and loneliness. Well, in Genesis 1 and 2, we read the creation account about how God created and planned for the world to be. God's creativity is on display. He created everything in the heavens and in the earth. And there's this common phrase that's used again and again to describe as God creates. It says, and God saw that it was good. Well, on the sixth day, the first human being comes on the scene, and he's the pinnacle of God's creative work. And God's assessment changes for the first time. You see, God looks at his creation, the human being, and he says, it is very good. You see, with the addition of a human, now God's creation gets a five-star assessment. But then something unexpected happens. After explaining his hopes and his dreams for this man, he then says, it's not all good. You know, up to this point, everything is exactly the way that he intended. But here in Genesis 2.18, something isn't quite right. You see, God says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, many of us have heard this passage numerous times, usually, usually in the context of marriage. But I think it's about more than just a wedding ceremony. It's more than just a marriage. At its core, this is a statement about the importance of us connecting with others. Now, something important to notice here is that this takes place before the fall, before sin comes on the scene. There's been nothing to this point to fracture the relationship between God and humans. God walks in the garden. There's a perfect relationship. Yet the one word that God chooses to describe this first man is alone. Now, oftentimes we talk about the void that we all have that only God can fill. You know, sometimes we say we have a God-shaped hole in our heart and in our soul. But also what we see here from the very beginning is that we also have a human-shaped void in our life. There's no substitute that can fill this need that we have for human relationships, There's no amount of money you can accumulate. There's no amount of success, no amount of busyness, not even God himself. Even though this man was in the state of sinless perfection, he was still alone, and God says it was not good. You see, one of God's biggest dreams for us is authentic community. One of God's biggest dreams for every single one of us is that we would experience authentic community. Now, I think we often take people's dying wishes very seriously. You can find all sorts of quotes that people have said on their deathbed. I have a relative who is 100% Norwegian, like Norwegian through and through. But one of the last requests that he had is he wanted bagpipes at his funeral playing. Amazing Grace. Now, not real Norwegian, but because it was one of the last things that he requested, of course his family found a way to have the bagpipes there. So in his very last few hours on earth, before going to his death, Jesus had some words. Jesus shared what was on his heart, what really mattered to him. 
In John 17, 11, he says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they, talking about all of us, are still in the world, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, and here's the key. He says, so that they may be one as we are one. So that they may be one as we are one. Jesus is praying that his disciples, these men that were about to turn on him, that didn't get what he was teaching, that they would experience something amazing. And not only that, he goes on to say, everyone who will believe in him throughout all time, his prayer is that we would have the same quality of relationship that Jesus himself has with the rest of the Trinity. You see, when we engage in authentic community, we are experiencing exactly what God has wired us up to experience. And we're experiencing part of what it means to be made in his image. I think people today in our world are hungry for authentic community. They will search high and low to find it. People try to find community at their gym or at their favorite bar or at a coffee shop. You know, community is something that the church should be great at. It's modeled by Jesus. It's hardwired into each one of us. We are created for community. You know, the reality is oftentimes the church can get really clicky. Oftentimes we can be so focused on finding our own friends and our own acquaintances that we miss the opportunity to reach out to those around us who aren't yet connected. Well, because loneliness is at epidemic proportions today, and because we believe God has wired every one of us up for community, our second commitment in our five-year vision is no person left alone. Whether it's a guest who shows up at church, whether it's our next-door neighbors, or someone who just is looking for a friend, We want to be a place, we want to be a church that connects people to life-giving relationships. We want to be a place, we want to be a church that doesn't let someone sit alone, that doesn't let someone feel left out. You see, community is also not just about relationships. It's also about helping us grow in faith. And we believe here at Calvary that spiritual growth best happens in a small group. None of us will grow to our full potential on our own. We need other people to do life with. We need other people to challenge us, to encourage us, to spur us on. And so we all have the ability and the responsibility to invite others into community, to invite others into a relationship. So I want you to watch this video as we hear some testimonies from people about what small groups have meant in their life. Well, I think you can hear by those stories and those testimonies that small groups can be one of the most powerful things you can get involved in here at Calvary. We think it's going to be one of the best ways that you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And especially in these times when we do feel isolated, 
not just COVID-19, but living in a culture of isolation. I had this situation happen at the gym uh, before everything shut down. I was there, we were kind of finishing working out, and I was doing a few extra exercises and then getting ready to stretch. And this lady came over to me, and she started talking, and we sat and we talked, and she said, you mentioned once that your, your parents were divorced. And I said, yeah, I did. She said, you know, I'm just really worried about my kids. And I thought, oh, this is not going to be just the gym, hi, how are you, how was your day conversation. And the next thing I knew, she is pouring out her heart about how she's worried about her kids and her stepkids because she's living in this blended family. And how are they going to grow up and what's going to happen? Are they going to have anger issues? Are they going to rebel? How's she going to be the best mom she can be to both her kids and stepkids? And we had this really great conversation. And I, I think I was just reminded in that situation, if we take the time, if we make the time to sit and talk to people, we can create something different that our culture doesn't expect. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 3. I discovered this verse this week, honestly, and it might become my next tattoo because it's just snarky enough that I really love it. It says, if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I think this is why I like Paul. He just says it the way it is, right? Like, if we think we're too important to reach out and serve, to invite somebody else in, to invite somebody into community, to welcome someone new into our church family. We're only fooling ourselves. Calvary, we're not that important. We're inviting the men to direct them to somebody who is. And so as we embark on this move forward where no person will be left alone, that means we want 100% of our regular attenders to be involved in a group. Yep, 100%. Everybody to be involved in a group. You've heard it said, you can probably make fun of us for it now. Life is better in circles than in rows. That's true. And so we want everyone to experience that reality. This means we need our current groups to start thinking about dividing, to start thinking about creating space where we can welcome new people in. It means current small group leaders are going to be looking for those people who they've been in group with for a while who are gifted and talented to lead another group. It means we're going to make ourselves uncomfortable by reaching out to meet new friends instead of just sitting in our huddles with old friends. This is something we're challenging everybody to do. We know it's not comfortable. We know it's hard to leave the comfort. But we believe the gospel and the mission that we have been called to advance is important enough that we begin to seek discomfort. It means that every ministry that meets at Calvary will have a small group component. Calvary Kids will be about small groups and investing in those kids. Calvary Youth will be about creating small group and mentoring relationships where middle school and high school students' faith are developed. Our caring and support ministries 
will be based around the concept of small groups where a few gather, we get to know each other, we know what's going on in our, each other's lives, we know the struggles, we know how to pray, we celebrate the joys. It means that if you're on a serving team, we want that to be a place where you find a sense of community and you believe you exist in a group. Our desire is to make sure that every person who comes in contact with Calvary knows that they belong, knows that they have a place where they can ask their questions, they can express their doubt, and they can grow in their relationship with Jesus. We will value, model, and resource multi-generational community. What we mean by this is we believe that everybody's got a story to share. And the more stories we hear of faith, the more our faith will grow. So if you're one of our more seasoned or veteran church attenders, we need you. We need you to share the stories of how God has shown up in your life, in the good, in the bad. We need you to share that with those who are younger with you, younger than you. We need you to share how you struggled in your marriage with those who are currently struggling in their marriage and share how you worked through it. Share how God showed up and did supernatural things to make your marriage whole again. We need grandmas and grandpas to tell kids how real Jesus has been to them. We need people to say, you know what? I had my own fair share of questions and doubts and I wasn't quite sure how I was going to get through it. But in the middle of that, this person showed up and they told me a story. They told me a story about a time when God showed up in their life. And all of a sudden, I began to believe that God might show up in my life too. And you know what? He did. And that's why I'm still here. That's why I'm still following Jesus. What if the most important thing for our faith and for the faith of the next generation is to hear stories of real people who they know, who trust Jesus. And because they've heard that story, they begin to trust Jesus. Because we take our story and we put it alongside the story of Scripture, life change happens. And a new generation of passionate followers of Christ is born. That's why we're going to expand mentoring opportunities. And not just for middle school and high school students, but everybody. We need mentors in our life. We need people who come alongside and walk alongside of us. We want to be a place where you can belong before you believe. Let's face it. We are living in a culture and in a time that is growing more and more skeptical of Christianity and organized religion every day. We were just at a virtual conference this week and we heard that 22% of millennials attend church. 22%. And we're going to make them jump through hoops before they can say they belong here? Or are we going to begin to think about church differently? Maybe church is what happens in your living room as you gather as a small group. Maybe that's going to be their first experience before they ever join us here in this building on a Sunday morning, regardless of COVID or not. 
than maybe the space we create in your living room couch, the space I create sitting in my living room with those folks, might actually be the first experience they have of church. And if we can make that feel safe, if we can make them feel like it's a place where they can ask questions, they can wrestle with doubt, they can grow in their knowledge of who Jesus is, maybe, maybe they'll make their way here one day. But most importantly, maybe if they feel like they can belong in that group, if they can belong in your living room, their eternity might just change because they might come to understand who Jesus is and how much that matters in life, regardless of whether they walk into this building or not. But can we accept the fact that there might be somebody who comes to our group or comes to our church who doesn't believe everything we believe? And can we stretch out our arms and say, welcome? Can we make them feel at home? And lastly, we will provide support and groups, especially for marriages and families. Look at the stats. Marriages are falling apart all over our world. And sadly enough, the stats are no different inside the church than they are outside the church. Maybe that's part of the reason that 22% of millennials attend because it doesn't actually seem like it matters. But what if we decided we're going to invest in marriages. We're going to relaunch marriage ministry. We're going to provide groups where older married couples can walk alongside younger married couples and help them grow, help them develop, help them wrestle through the hard times, share honest stories of struggle and trial and growth and celebrate victories. Celebrate healthy, honest, open conversation between spouses. Because the truth is, the thing our kids need most the thing the next generation needs most from us from a, as a church, other than stories about who Jesus is and how he's shown up in our lives, is they need healthy moms and dads. They need to see moms and dads who love each other, who fight for each other, who stay together. There's a lot of reasons that I could go into theologically, emotionally, and mentally that answer all of that. But the truth is, and the reality is, they need mom and dad to keep loving each other. And we need to walk alongside of those families and help them. It means helping parents figure this out. We live in a different time and a different age, and there's a lot going on in our kids' lives that we don't understand. So we're going to bring in speakers to help train and develop our parents and parents, there's a lot more we're going to talk about as far as parenting and raising kids goes. But that's coming next week. So we hope you join us for week three next week. But right now, church, God is moving forward. COVID hasn't stopped God. It hasn't scared God. It hasn't stopped God's mission. God is moving forward. Forward into deeper levels of community, forward into more meaningful relationships. And God is calling us forward into that. And he's also calling us wider 
into our community as we remove hurdles of hope. We're praying that God's working in your life and in our lives to show each and every one of us how we, he wants us to move forward individually and as a church as we pursue with reckless abandon his passion and his mission for this world. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you that you didn't leave us alone. You created us for this. You created us to be in relationship with each other. To be in relationship with you. And God, you took the first step when we couldn't. By coming and walking this earth, living among us, going to the cross. God, thanks for loving us well. Thanks for giving us a place to always belong with a Father who will never walk away. God, now make us a people who are passionate about walking alongside of other people, who are passionate about making sure that no one gets left alone in our community, no matter how old or how young, how rich or how poor, no matter of skin color, God, we pray that you would make us a place that people know they belong. They'll never be alone. God, give us a passion. Set us on fire to change this community, not for our glory, but for yours, with a message of hope, a message of truth, and a message that will change their eternal destiny. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.